0: Well, thank you, Joe. It's always good to hear how God is working in other parts of the world, so we appreciate that very much. Uh, good morning. Good morning. And just before I begin, I want to remind you that if you are a parent here that has young children that regularly attend our youth assembly, that after service today, we're going to have a meeting, and we'll meet in the fireside room here, and we're just going to talk for a bit about what the future of Youth Assembly looks like and how we can make that even better. So I encourage you to stick around for that. It shouldn't be too long. We should be done in less than an hour uh, in time for you to go out and get lunch at a reasonable time. All right, so we've been going through a series on what we've called the five smooth stones, five essentials to our Christian faith. And so this last week, I went back, and I, actually I listened to all of Kelly's sermons again, um, even though I'd already heard them twice on Sunday mornings. I know, it's hard to believe um, that I would put myself through that. But I did. <laughs> and then I even took some time to reflect on what he had, uh, what he had said. Uh, and I noticed a few things. One of the things that I noticed is that none of them was particularly easy. Um, despite being essentials, they were challenging. Um, and so maybe I'll just recap those stones for you quickly. Um, I know we've got some visitors here, people might not have heard that, and you all didn't necessarily go back and listen to them, so we'll just recap them really quick. First, we had this smooth stone that said, we are new creations, and so we've died to our sinful selves, and we're supposed to live a different kind of life. And so I thought about that, and I thought, yeah, but you know what? Dying is painful. It's difficult to leave behind these things that I want to do and do what God wants me to do instead. And then the next week, we talked about the stone of pursuing justice. But that can seem really overwhelming when I see all the injustice in the world and I wonder how much difference can I really make. And that same week, we talked about also the hope of new life of, of the coming of heaven. And I thought, that's difficult too because it seems so far away, it seems so disconnected and I'm not really sure what it's going to be like. On another Sunday we talked about living our lives without limits. Kelly used this picture of a butterfly that can fly and, and how silly it would be if it decided instead that it was going to walk everywhere. When it's got this, this amazing gift, this way that it's been transformed. And he said, God's transformed us too, and we should live as people who have been transformed. Easy to say, not always easy to do. And then last week, we talked about drawing closer to God. And about how God wants to have this this deep, intimate relationship with each one of us. And you know, sometimes I feel that. Sometimes I have that relationship, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I feel disconnected. Sometimes I feel like God is far away. And even when I try to have that relationship, sometimes it's hard. And so as I thought back on these last four weeks, I came to the conclusion that I cannot be the person that God wants me to be on my own. And so I don't say that this morning to discourage you, But instead, I just want to remind us that these things are difficult, and this isn't something that we should go at on our own. You know, as I listened to Kelly speak, I was impressed by the fact that he frequently reminded us over the last four weeks that we need the power of God, and we need the power of his spirit living in us if we're going to effectively make use of each one of these stones. And then this morning, I want to bring to you the fifth and final stone, which is that we have been reborn into community, and community is essential to living out each of these other four stones. And so as Kelly has told us, God's spirit working in us is vital, as I'm going to tell you, community is vital, and hopefully we'll see by the end of the morning that those two things aren't separate but actually they go hand in hand. Christian community and the Spirit. They go hand in hand to empower us to live the way that God would have us live. And so I don't want to be discouraging, but I do think it's important to start out by acknowledging that we've got this problem. That we cannot be the people that God wants us to be on our own. So with that in mind, if you could turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5, page 683, I think, in most of the Pew Bibles. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14. My remote doesn't seem to be working, but um, again, if you want to just flip forward to the passage there. Uh, this is Jesus speaking. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And so he says to the people gathered there, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So here we have a passage... Uh, Yeah, a passage about how we are to live as Christians. How we're supposed to live out God's mission. We're the light of the world, Jesus says. We're supposed to shine God's goodness to those around us. And I think that fits with what we as a church have decided is our mission and our vision. We say we want to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to make biblical disciples. Uh, That's shining God's light. And it fits with our five smooth stones. We've said we want to live as new creations. We want to draw closer to God. We want to live not as caterpillars, but as the butterflies that God has transformed us into. This is shining God's light. And certainly, if we're going to pursue justice, if we're going to proclaim the hope of eternal life, that is also shining God's light. And so all this fits with what Jesus is telling us here. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, when I look at this passage, it's easy for me to think, you know what, there's a few different images going on here. Um, but actually, what I, I want to do is show us that there's really just one image. Um, it looks like we've got this image of light and we've got this image of a city. Um, But if we think about it and we think, well, when Jesus was speaking, he was in the ancient Middle East, a city, especially a city on a hill at night, and the light in that city would have shone out into the countryside for miles. Certainly we can relate to this too. Um, If you've ever been away on a road trip, you're driving back to Calgary at night, there's no doubt that you see the lights of the city long before you arrive in the city. And so we have this image of a city on a hill that is the light to the world around it. And I think this is a communal image. It's not an individual image. And this is why I think that. This is why I'm going to show you that this is the case. First of all, let's start with the language that's being used here. We've got this word... Very first word of the passage there, you. And one of the weaknesses of the English language is we just have one word for you, and, and it doesn't say whether we're talking about a single person. You know, Am I talking about Miles sitting right here? Or am I talking about you as the collective? All of you. And so in Greek class, when we would look at these words, um, sometimes we would borrow from our neighbors in the southern states, and when we wanted to refer to the plural, we'd say, y'all. Because that's the plural "you" um, and so this is this is a weakness in our English language, and I think sometimes we jump to the conclusion when we see that word "you," well that it must be talking about just the individual. That's how I tend to read this passage. But the truth is, most of the time in the New Testament, almost two to one. When you have that word, it's actually the plural. And that's what's happening here. And so when when Jesus is speaking here, he's saying, you, y'all, all all of you, are the light of the world. Uh, And then he goes on and he says, let your light not You, the individual, you, the group, you, the community, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, not just you, the individual's good deeds, the good deeds of all of you together as a community, and glorify your Father, the Father of all of you, in heaven. So the language here is communal. Um, I was reflecting on this, and it it caused me to think about something else that I do almost every day, which is that I'll pray through the Lord's Prayer. Um, And for a long time, when I would pray through the Lord's Prayer, I found that what I would do is this. I would pray, God, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, give me my daily bread, forgive me my sins, lead me not into temptation." And then I was convicted one day as I was reading it again, and I realized that's not what it says. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. It's communal language, and it's communal language here in the Sermon on the Mount as well. And not only is the language communal, but the image itself is communal. The image is of a city. And by the way, if, if you're reading in the NIV, your translation might say town, but, but probably the best word here is city. And what is a city? Well, a city is thousands, perhaps millions of people. It's a community. So Jesus is telling us that we, as a community, are to be the light of the world. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a Christian community that is shining God's light? Well, it means at least two things. First of all, light attracts. That's something that it does. And so we see that here in this passage. Uh, Jesus says, Let your light shine. Why? So that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. They're not going to glorify God unless it's attractive, unless they see that there's something good about it. And so Jesus is saying, when we live out our mission, and when we do good deeds as a community, people are going to notice. They're going to be attracted to that. And it's going to make them want to praise God. And so light attracts But light also does something else light also exposes and so in the book of john chapter 3 verses 19 to 21 jesus says that light has come into the world but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil and everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have di- that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. In other words, the light is it exposes our sin and it isn't always comfortable. Sometimes people will choose the darkness instead of the light. But the light is still good. And because the light exposes, it helps us to grow. It helps us to become more Christ-like. It helps us to become those new creations that we already are. To live a life without limits. To draw closer to God. And so Christian community helps us to shine our light by helping us to live out our mission and to live out these other four stones that we've already talked about. Okay, so, so Jesus says that we, the community of God's people, the church, are to be the light of the world. But it's also important for us to remember that there's someone else that was called the light of the world before we ever were. And so that's why in John eight twelve Jesus proclaims that he is the light of the world. And it's only when our light is rooted in that true light That we can truly be the light that we were intended to be if we're going to be attractive as light is supposed to be we're going to need to find our source in the true light in jesus and if we're going to be lights that expose in a good and loving and fruitful way then we need to be rooted in jesus the true light A little bit earlier, I mentioned how Kelly has reminded us several times that we need the spirit, uh, sorry, the presence of the spirit in order to live out the five stones. And I mentioned that there's a connection between the spirit and community. And this is it it's that the spirit dwells in Christian community. That's what defines Christian community, it's the presence of the spirit. And this idea that, that the true church, that true Christian community, requires this presence of the Spirit, this idea is found throughout the New Testament. I could turn to Matthew eighteen twenty three, uh where Jesus says, that where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Jesus is there in the Christian community. Or we could turn to Ephesians 2:22 in the words of Paul, as Paul writes to the church, and he says, "And in Him, Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit." And so we've got the church, but we've also got the whole Trinity. Jesus is building us together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. The Spirit is at the center of community. So we should conclude that that yes, we want to be part of community, but it's not just any community. It's the community in which Jesus lives by his spirit. You know, this is one of the reasons that for us as Christians the doctrine of the Trinity is so important. And I don't have time to go real deep into that theology this morning. Um, But I will say that at its core, this is a doctrine that says that God is, in his very nature, relational. He's a relational being. He is three persons all in relationship with one another. And so as people created in his image, we too were made to be relational. Relational. This is why someone like Dietrich Bonhoeffer can look at the church and at Christian fellowship and say that this is a physical sign of the gracious presence of a triune God. Just gonna give a quick aside for a moment um, that if you're interested in learning more about Christian community, Bonhoeffer's a great guy to look at and he wrote a book called Life Together that's kind of a, a classic work on this subject. Not a long read, just over 100 pages, I've got a copy here, so if you want to borrow it after service, come talk to me. Okay, so we've, we've talked about the fact that we cannot be the people that God wants us to be on our own. We need community, and we need the presence of the Spirit. And those two things, they go hand in hand. And I've shown you some examples of how the New Testament emphasizes this point. But before I turn to a little bit of practical application, I just want to give a real-life example of of the importance of community in something that happened to me just this week. And so it was on Wednesday, uh, which was the day that I did a lot of this sermon prep. I was writing my sermon, and I had a good friend of mine get a hold of me. And he told me, he said, Dustin, I've got some bad news. And he told me that his mother-in-law has just been diagnosed with cancer in her pancreas. She only has a few days left to live. If she's lucky, perhaps a few weeks or months. And so, of course, this was a difficult conversation for me. But after a while, after I'd been talking to him for a few minutes, he started to talk about how thankful he was for the system of support that he has right now at this time. And so he's a Christian and he goes to to another church across town and he said, I'm just so thankful for my church community that when I'm in this difficult situation, when I don't know what to do, I have people to turn to. And he said, Dustin, I'm thankful for you too. I'm thankful that I could call you today and that I could just you know, tell this to someone, that I could talk about this. And the fact is that that he and I are brothers in Christ as well. Even though he doesn't come here, we met at church and we continue to be Christian brothers. And so this was encouraging to him. But, you know, I got off the phone and, man, that was a hard conversation for me too. And so... I went and i wrote a message and i sent it out to to my life group my young adults life group and i said guys my friends going through this could you please pray and and within that minute i had people responding back and saying dustin we're praying and and what a blessing that is and you know what i know that my story is not unique i know there's other people in these pews here this morning that have gone through similar troubles and have also found themselves encouraged by the community of Christ that is around them. You know, I was was also struck by one other example this morning. Um, We've gone to just one service for the summer. Um, And so before service started, someone came up to me and said, you know, I can't sit in my normal seat this morning because someone else is there. Um, and they didn't say that, you know, complaining or anything. I think, I think they were happy. There's, there's people here. This is good. Um, and it is encouraging that we see people that we don't always see, but that we're, we're here together this morning. Um, I was also encouraged. I saw people like I saw Dakota, who, who's living in Regina, but who came back to visit us because she can at this time. Um, we have visitors here from Nashville. We've got um, Mike here who, who joins us for lunches on Wednesdays. Um, we've got the Prezinsky family here from Honduras. Um, it's just wonderful to see all these different people that come together, and there's this great sense of community here. Um, and so I've just been really encouraged by that this morning as well. So we started out by saying that, that we cannot be the people that God wants us to be on our own. We need to be a part of Christian community, um, and we do, and that needs to be more than just Sunday mornings. Uh, we need to be we need to be living life together. And so, as a church, that's one of the reasons that we've really, really emphasized the importance of our life groups, because we've said that is one way that we can ensure that we've got community beyond just a Sunday morning. Because we can't do this on our own. We do need community. God's Spirit does work through that that community. And so let's do that beyond just here. And one way we can do that is through life groups. And so when I was writing this sermon at first, I thought, you know, the timing is a little bit unfortunate because actually most of our life groups have just gone on kind of a break for two months for the summer. And so it's hard to stand here and say, join a life group when there's maybe not a life group for you to join like right now. Um, But then I thought about it. and I thought, No, you know what? The timing's actually not so bad. um, Because I think you can still make a commitment to that. Um, Before your fall schedule gets filled up, as I know often happens, make the decision now that you're going to leave one night of the week open to get together with other Christians and to be part of a life group. Make that decision today before your schedule fills up. Um, I think now is also a good time to talk about that um, precisely because we do lose a lot of that during the summer. Summer is an easy time to fall away from that community, to say, hey, I'm going to be gone camping on the weekends, my life group's not meeting, Um, I I don't see other Christians for two months, or I see them less frequently for those two months. And I don't think we should let that happen. Community is important. We need it. And so I want to just encourage you this morning, find a way to keep that community this summer. Maybe that means coming on Wednesday nights when we have a couple of different Bible studies and we've got a a group that comes up and plays music, we jam together, we worship God together. Maybe it means being part of that. Maybe it means finding a few Christian brothers and sisters and saying, Once a week, why don't we just get together and we're gonna have breakfast together, or we're gonna have coffee together, and we're gonna pray together. But find some way to keep that community during the summer. The other thing I really want to encourage you is to think about the places where you're already in community, and then I want you to make sure that it's not just any community, but that it's a community that is filled with the Spirit. Make sure you're inviting the Spirit to be part of your life together. Make sure you're actually growing together. And there's many ways that we can you can do this. There's many different things that I could tell you, but what I want to tell you, especially this morning, is just make sure that in those different places, whether it's your life group, whether it's just a group of friends you get together with, whatever it is, wherever it is that you find Christian community, make sure you're praying together. Make sure you're praying together, inviting God in. It just makes sense. If, if God is part of this community, then we should be talking to him. Um, we see this as well in Acts chapter 2. Um, Acts 2.42 is kind of one of the passages that Christians go to all the time when we're talking about community, and for good reason. Um, and it says this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I could focus in on any one of those elements, but today I just want to especially encourage you that that prayer is important. Make that a part of your community. So if you're not already part of Christian community outside of Sunday morning, I encourage you to pursue that. I encourage you to make sure you've got that community through the summer, and then make sure prayer is part of that community, because remember, I cannot be the person that God wants me to be on my own. I need the Spirit and I need Christian community. Would you bow with me and we'll pray together? God, I thank you for community. I thank you that I don't have to do this on my own. i thank you that not only do we have you god that loves us that has sent your spirit to be in us to guide us to give us the strength that we need to do your will but god i thank you that you've given us others to walk along that journey with us and so god i pray that we would not take that gift for granted but that we would pursue it that we would make community a priority and god i just want to Thank you, especially this morning, for um, the community that we have here. I thank you um, again for the prasinski's for Joe and Christy. Thank you for the work they're doing in Honduras. I pray that you'd be blessing them and the things that they're doing. And I thank you for the community that we have here. I thank you for the ways that I felt that even this week. And God, I just I pray that that would continue. That we would continue to grow together, and that Your Spirit would be working in all of that, God.